But right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the Para-X Radio Network. everyone this is your host jason michael caldwell and i've got big news despite the technical difficulties and of course whenever we do a big change the computer system goes berserk but i want everybody to know that obviously you know andrea is producing tonight for us and he is still going to be executive producer but we're bringing a couple actually three more guest hosts on with me. We are going to work with Stephanie Connolly Reisner, and we are probably with her going to do one show a month based around the dark arts, demonology, and things of that nature. We're also going to bring Shaman Jim in once a month, and we are going to talk about things of Jim's nature with him once a month. We also have Zach Louis our Chinese medicine expert and practitioner who we're going to be able to bring him on the show once a month. And, uh, I'm really excited about this. These are three people that I respect highly and we're going to be mixing it up even more than we have been and do expect Andrea to come back periodically also. So, you know, we're going to keep it, keep things going for you guys, try to get you some new, fresh content. And we will have more announcements. We are working out the details with our new co-hosts. And uh, we will tell you more in the coming weeks as we figure out exactly how we are going to work out the details. But you should go over to DoMagic.com because in two days, June 1st, the next Magical Challenge begins. Remember, participation in these events is free. The June Magical Challenge presents an interesting challenge we like to call Enchantment Plus. For a challenge, you are to enchant, to bring something into your life based on magical work. And this could be to increase your money, find new happiness and love, anything you want it to be. So head on over to DoMagic.com and check it out. Participation is free. Tonight I've got a special guest who is a, oh, I think it's like her fifth book now in a very quick period, but we've never had her on the show before. Her name is Angel Ray. Angel, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? I'm very good. Angel, she (laughs) is a lifelong student of the supernatural and its existence. She's a follower of nature-based practices while hailing from a long line of sensitives and psychics. She uses her gifts to help others, often referred to as a spiritual advisor. As with her book, she strives to encourage others to have open minds and never stop asking questions, searching for answers, and finding ways to help others. And now your your book's coming out next month, your newest book, Into the Darkness, Conversations with the Dead. Yes. So... um, why don't you give us the premise? Why, why did you write this particular book? Um, I guess the main reason why I wrote it is um, I, I often watch the, the paranormal TV shows. And I guess just after years of watching them and, and 
seeing grown men scream and run away from things that they're calling upon to come to them and just their line of questioning and, and, you know, not waiting in the interval time to give the spirits a chance to respond. Just different little things just popped in my mind, you know, and just made me think, you know, people are watching these shows being influenced a lot of the times in the wrong direction. Um, provoking was one of the main things. Provoking is something I do not agree with, and a couple of the shows and their characters like to do that, and that's when I pretty much decided, you know what, it's somebody somebody has to try and encourage people to do this the correct way. You know, it can be a wonderful thing to get involved with, but if you're not doing it correctly and you're, you know, you're going to have negative experiences and, and you don't want negative experiences. You you know, you go out there seeking answers and seeking these, these this communication with the spirits, but you want good, positive communication. You know, you don't want this negative stuff all the time. And that's what brought me to wanting to write the, you know, write the book and brought it up with my publisher. He thought it was a great idea and I just dug in. Um, I had journals from 20 years ago of notes about spirit communication and things that I was taught as a child. And, you know, I take notes for everything, always have. And uh went back through those journals and, you know, just compiled different things that I believe, different things that I was taught, different ways to communicate, you know, what can be conduits for spirits, that kind of thing, and just took about a year um, of putting the book together. So that's pretty much TV shows is what prompted me to do this book. <laughs> so, and you you were also telling me before the show that you never really ghost hunted until recently. You never really went seeking spirits out because of your natural tendencies. They tended to come to where you were. Exactly. I, I you know, the the whole going out and, you know, paying to be in a location for the night and taking equipment and taking group members and what have you, that that was all new to me. Um, and it was a great experience, and I did it for a number of reasons. I did it um, because I wanted to work with teams and I wanted to see you know, the ins and outs of what it what it takes to have a team and to have everybody on the same page and, you know, discover the pros and cons of having a team and, um, you know, weighing public events, investigations, you know, to private ones and, you know, just giving people an idea of what it takes to work with a group of, you know, of, of members of the same like-mindedness but maybe they do their investigations differently. And that's what I discovered with working with the three teams. All three of them um, had ways of investigating and communicating with spirits, using equipment, um, what they considered to be valid evidence and what they didn't. It was a very unique learning experience working with so many different individuals. And, and I'm talking upwards to maybe 50 different individuals that I worked with solely on with this book. Um, it's been an amazing experience. 50 and individuals, and, and you said it was about a year of research, so you were quite busy during that year. Oh, I've been constantly busy. I Yeah, I I have become a ghost, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pun intended. You know, my, my friends, they, they tell me that I kind of disappeared on them, and I did, but when I put my mind to something, I get it done. I don't stop, and... You know, it, it takes a lot. It's not just a how-to book. It's also, you know, locations that I visited myself, that I investigated myself with with other people, experiences, you know, evidence we captured. You know, that's that's all in the book as well. So it's a very broad um, spectrum of a book when it comes to the paranormal, but um, definitely talk about things that I haven't seen in other books as far as... Um, like the the spirits of animals and and the fae, you know, not everybody believes in fairies, but mm -hmm. I do, and you know, I don't. If you can believe in ghosts, why shouldn't you believe in other supernatural beings? You know, there's other dimensions, there's other beings out there. I'm a very open-minded person, and I've also seen things. I've seen things with my own eyes that. You know, there was no way to mistake what they were. And 
you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer, and there's there's many different spirit essences out there that we can communicate with. We just got to be patient and open-minded enough to find them well, or let well, them find us. <laughs> what was your earliest experience when you went, holy crap, that was a ghost? Um, I was about eight years old. Um, you have to understand something. When I, you know, my mother and her sisters, my aunties, were very close, and they were constantly having seances, and, and, you know, they'd gather around once a week and talk about the spirits that, you know, came to them for help, or, you know, they, they would just sit and talk about spirit communication and all their gifts and, and abilities to not only communicate with them, but sometimes help them cross over if need be. And they were just, my mom always said when I was younger, she's going to be a conduit. Never understood what that term meant until I was about a teenager, maybe 13 or 14. Um, but that's what it seems to be, like I'm just a natural conduit for them, and it's made it fairly easy to communicate with them. Um, but that's how early on in life that I was subjected to it, and that was I witnessed my grandfather come into our living room. He had already passed. He had passed at 10:19 at night, I seen his spirit around 11 o'clock that night, and I said to my mom, somebody was there. I described him, didn't know my grandfather, but I described him to her, and she got the call approximately five minutes later after I said something about seeing him with verification that he had just passed at 1019. Um, That was my first real, you know, I see something, and it's full-bodied, and, you know, he was transparent, kind of misty, um, but I could make out his details. And that was the first sign that my mom knew that I was going to be able to do it just as much as her and my, and my aunties were. Yeah. And isn't, it that, <laughs> isn't that interesting, though, how you can have, like, multiple sensitives in the same room. And you happen to see your grandfather, but your mother's gifted, too, but she didn't see him. Correct. 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 Yep. So, I'll tell you what's happened to me over the years. Have you ever had the experience where you came upon someone at a location, and at first, you didn't even know that they were a spirit? Because or they were like, so opaque, you mean? Or, or so, so, so real, so, so physical that you could not tell that you were not coming up on a real person? No, I have not had that type of experience. All the spirits that I've seen, you know, they've been, um, they've had colors around them, like their aura, you know, the aura essence of their energy, or, you know, I I can see orbs, I can see, you know, flashes of light, I can see shadows, shadow figures, they're everywhere. (laughs) They are just everywhere. I've seen them since I was a little girl. Freaked out the first time my mom consoled me, explained to me what they were, and I've been fine ever since, but no, I've never seen one that, that I actually thought was a living person. No, uh-uh. that would be phenomenal to see. You're very lucky. That's actually terrifying. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When you think that you've come up on a random person and then they go poof on you. Yeah. Yeah, it mess with your mind a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if terrifying is the right word. I wasn't cowering in a corner, but certainly I was. I was very taken aback. Right. <laughs> Confused. Yeah, I don't know how I would react. I, I'm not a jumpy person. I'm not. You know, it takes a lot to really scare me as far as the paranormal or the supernatural. But I really, honestly, don't know how I would react in that situation. <laughs> So you decided to get out there and start working with actual paranormal investigators. Now, uh, you brought up the idea of being very against pro- provocation, and mm-hmm. you know, we, we hypothetically speaking, we got we got a guy out there investigating his. We'll call him Bilbo Baggins. He likes to spike his hair, pump up his biceps, and be a really cool guy. And he <laughs> likes to scream and yell and really provoke things. Now. Yeah, turn around and scream like a little girl if they're actually confronted with If something actually happens. (laughs) That bothers me so badly. (laughs) But the unfortunate thing is, sometimes that method works. Sometimes they actually do get a result immediately after. Now, 
Now, in comparison, what is your technique? You're going into an area cold. You want to know if something's actually going to manifest itself. Do you have any methodology that you go through that, that's, you know, less dramatic? Um, just intention. I set my intention before I walk through a threshold of a location. I set my intention. I let them know that I'm not there to disrespect. I'm not there to demand anything of them. I give them allowance to communicate with me. You know, I set my boundaries. You cannot attach yourself to me. You know, you cannot attach yourself to anybody that is with me and so forth. You know, the whole protection thing. And, and I go about my business. Um, but my intention is set from the door. I, I don't provoke um, one, because I find it very distasteful and disrespectful. Two, I find that, you know, I specifically don't want to go into a location and interact with a negative, harmful, or aggressive spirit. That's the last thing I want to do. Now, if it happens, I'm prepared and I can deal with it, but I'm not going to go into a location looking for that activity. I'm there to find answers. I'm there to conversate with spirits that, you know, have messages that they want to be relayed. And I'm there to help any that are confused or lost or, you know, just saddened because they're there. You know, that's that's my intention when I go into a place. So... So tell me how your journey went. You went out there working with the investigators, using actual equipment. Um, did did you have a lot of a lot of events that I don't know? Nothing happened during the course of these this year of uh, going out and trying. Um, well, the the beginning of it, the very first location that I um, worked with teams was at the haunted hotel Conneaut in Conneaut, PA. Um, I chose that location specifically because my grandmother was killed in a, in a kerosene explosion behind the hotel. Oh. And, yeah, and, you know, I, I had always had a connection with this hotel. It was closed down for a long time. Um, somebody bought it, reopened it, and I was able to finally get in there as an adult to investigate it. And I've been allowed in there. They've shut the hotel down for me to go in there because I get so much activity. And, you know, um, I had a psychic with me for the first time. And as we're sitting in a room on the third, on the third floor, this woman looks at me, well, in the dark, but she looks in my direction and she says, I don't want to alarm you, but there's four women that are standing behind you. They're all holding hands. They all look alike. And they're just looking down at you endearingly. And as soon as she said four women, it, it connected to me that it would, would have been my grandmother who died when my mom was two. So oh. my mom and her sisters were never raised by my grandmother. She died in 1940. So knowing that there were these four women, which would have been my grandmother who was killed there, my mother, my mother's twin sister, and then the eldest sister, Shirley, that would have been there. And as soon as this woman said there was four women behind me, I just something overcame me. I started crying. I couldn't control it. I, I've never had that experience during an investigation or even dealing with, with spirits. I've never broke down and cried like that. But the emotions were so overwhelming that this woman, you know, not only was seeing these women, but later on throughout the night, she was relaying messages to me from my family that, she would have never known. There, there's actually souls on this planet that do not know the information that she knew to relay to me from my family. So I knew that they were there. Um, I didn't know if they were there simply because I was there or if they're just anchored to that area because that's where their mom died and they're all together finally. That's what I took it as, is they're all together finally. And it was... Um, very overwhelming and a happy moment because, you know, we we just, we connected that night and I knew that they were okay. I knew they weren't trapped there. You know, they were together and happy. And that was my first investigation. Um, we also had an incident later that night with an ovulist that as I was getting ready to tell the psychic what happened to my grandmother, on the ovulus the word burnt came up. 
nothing else had come up on that device the entire night until I was talking about my grandmother, and then the word burnt came up. Um, it was very dramatic, unexpected, and just even more validation that my grandma was at least there. Wow. That was my first experience working with a team. <laughs> and from that point on, it just it snowballed. Um, I would wait to get a, a certain feeling or a connection to a location before I chose to go to it. Um, I didn't just, you know, pick somewhere and say I want to go there. I literally had to feel some kind of connection to it. Um, the Kinsman House in Warren, Ohio, first time I ever heard my name come through a spirit box, and it came through three times in one night. And that was something to experience. You know, I've, I've heard spirits whisper my name, you know, that the, the normal sensitive type situations, but I've never heard a device used to get my attention and say my name. It was amazing. Um, and that was for my second investigation. So. Now, for, for those of you that don't know, the spirit box is, it scans radio channels very, very rapidly. And I have first-hand experience with this as well. Of course, you'll get some bleed through. You'll get some nonsensical chatter as you're scanning those radio stations very, very, very fast. But what happens is you get into the right location under the right circumstances and very clear, consistent speech will come out of these boxes. Yes, they're amazing devices. They truly are. Yeah, but not just my name came up that night. Um, the first time it was just a man from the basement that, that said my name, just Angel. And then a couple minutes went by and nothing was you know, nothing was heard, and then all of a sudden we hear, Angel, eat. Now, that day, it had been two days since I had ate anything. I wasn't oh. just, I had no appetite, don't know why, just had no appetite whatsoever. I was feeling okay, I wasn't sick or anything, just wasn't hungry. And when that male's voice came through and said, Angel, eat, my boyfriend was with us, actually. He got quite a kick out of this because he lectures me for doing that and, and, you know, going for days and not eating, and it's just something I've always done. Not the healthiest thing in the world to do, I understand, but just that's just me. Mm-hmm. And he actually got a chuckle out of a spirit lecturing me to eat. <laughs> so, that you know, and I, I had four other people with me when that happened, and then later on the night we were on a, an upper level, turned the spirit box on, I introduced us all, I asked a question, and a woman's voice came through and says, is this Angel? I mean, as clear as day, everybody in the room heard it. I got out on my EVP recorder. I mean, it was an amazing night. I mean, those spirits connected with me on a personal level, and it was great, great experience. I'm sure it is. And then you know, <clears throat> you know it's not in your head. <laughs> right, right, yep. You know, because... Also, being a practitioner myself, I under, I understand the psychic impressions. I get the psychic impressions, but if you want to, you can always push off those impressions. You can always make an excuse for them. Right. It's really hard hard to make an excuse for physical sounds coming out of a box. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, either through the spirit box or through electronic voice phenomena via recordings, have have you had? Any physical evidence come back to verify something that until that evidence came was only coming to you via psychic impression and then and then the equipment verified it? Um actually yeah, we were at Lincoln County Jail. I had a team of ten with me, five per group. I had my, my group with me. We were in the sheriff's office and from the moment I walked in the door there was a woman, couldn't I didn't know who she was at first. But there was a woman spirit there that just was following me, and she wasn't trying to hurt me or harm me, just con- just st- shadowing me is what it felt like. And at one point, we were up in the sheriff's room, and I'm sitting in the sheriff's chair, and I, I say to one of the team members, I said, you know, I think she's here again because I keep this whole side of my body is cold. The woman that was sitting on the desk in front of me took the thermometer and compared my two arms, and the one that I said was very cold was six degrees colder than my left arm. And the, another woman took pictures while this was going on, and there's a big bright orb right above my right side 
like it looks like it's shooting out of my arm almost. And that was, that was pretty amazing to me because, you know, you don't often get to validate feelings like that, you know, but the thermometer was there backing up what I was saying and then the orb in, in the picture. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty phenomenal. But then later that night, uh, the woman that runs it, Terry Long, who I just adore, she's such a wonderful lady, she, um, I was telling her earlier in the night what I was picking up from this woman. And she calls me in and she says, you know, she says, I was looking for something else and just came across this. And she showed me, and it's a, a an article that's not out, you know, posted for anybody to see or anything. It was just in the archives. And it was about this Laura Devlin who had killed her husband. But she killed him, you know, and, and the whole thing, throughout the whole night, this woman was putting visions in my head of a very short, balding man, dirty, not, you know, he, he wasn't hygienic at all, um, very mean and aggressive. And that's all I kept seeing was this man's face and his, like, his stature in my mind. Well, then Terry calls me in and says, you know, this woman actually killed her husband because he was abusive. And finally one night she just snapped. He threw a dish at her head. She just snapped and she killed him. And she cooked some of his body. She buried some of his body, um, made up a whole story as to why he had disappeared. She was 72 years old. 72. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How on earth does a 72-year-old you know, year woman kill her husband? But she, and, and she didn't do it in a, in a nicely fashion. Not that you can commit murder in a nicely fashion, but it's very horrific. <laughs> um, but it was all adrenaline. Like, the whole time she was doing it just pure adrenaline and uh yeah i was fascinated by that well while we were investigating at night on the we got the word 70 come up um not the number but the word 70 didn't know what it meant the next day i got a message from terry saying that she found another article about this laura devlin and that it would have been 70 years to the date that we were there that she had died no way yeah, oh, wow. so I actually included Terry's text in quotations into the book because, you know, nobody knew that that's what the 70 was about. We, you know, we thought maybe an age, maybe a year. We had no idea that it was 70 years to that date that she had died. So that's why I think her energy was so very strong that night. And um, so. that was the Licking County Jail, I believe, in Newark, Ohio? Yes, yes. Fascinating uh. place. That whole area is fascinating. That that area is actually built right around ancient earthworks of the Native Americans as well. Yes, I heard that. And the building itself is, I do believe, limestone, and it it definitely you know helps hold that that spirit energy there. It's a very amazing place and very you know. clean. It is definitely the most cleanest location that I have been to. <laughs> I'll give them that. Definitely clean place. Have have you been to the Mansfield Reformatory? Not yet. Not yet. Not a clean place. Bring a dust mask. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I've I've been there four times now, and I come back coughing every time. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I've been into a few like that. Oh, yeah. But yes, now it's it's interesting that you bring up the uh, limestone because something that us investigators from way back used to talk about was the stone tape theory. The idea that certain environments could enhance and trap energies and and we used to refer to it as residual hauntings, things that were just playing back in a time loop. Right. Um, But obviously, in your case, you were speaking to something that seemed pretty sentient. Seemed like it was responding to you in real time. Very intelligent, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very intelligent spirits, yeah. But, you know, it's it's funny because now people don't talk about stone tape theory. If it's not on the TV shows, nobody talks about it anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said, you know, before all this, before I learned how to use this equipment and whatnot, you know, I would go into a place with a notepad and a pen my pendulum, dowsing rods. I mean, you know, just the simplest of things, because like I said, I've never needed 
really anything to communicate with them. All the, the equipment does is just validates, you know, what I'm feeling and validates evidence, you know. Um, I think the Hinsdale house, by far, um, we collected so much evidence and evidence that can't be manipulated, evidence that there there is no explanation other than supernatural and I think I learned to respect these these gadgets and the equipment more so at Hensale than any other location. I've I mean I, I, I wish I could go into what we captured. <laughs> I really do, but I can't. And when people read that section on Hinsdale, they're just going to be scratching their heads. And, you know, I even told Daniel, the, the, the man that owns it, I sent him, you know, some of the things that we caught, and he was just amazed. You know, he just wrote back, said, good work. <laughs> so, uh, why, why don't you tell us the Baxter on the Hensdale house? Where, now, where's its location? This is in Hinsdale, New York, um, near Olean, and it's um, a small, tiny home. Um, it's not recommended that you take a large group there. It, it's just the acoustics alone, and because it is a small house, you know, the bigger group you have, the worse it's it's gonna it's gonna be really hard to to be able to validate anything because there's gonna be too much noise contamination. But um, we went and I spent the night. There were only five of us, all women, in the middle of nowhere, literally. No lights. We had a couple working lights on the bottom floor. That's it. Um, we had a fire outside to help illuminate some of the, you know, when we were outside investigating, but that was it. Um, spent the night there. And this place, I mean, it, it, there's so much information that there's still uncovering with it, but there was a family that lived there in the 1800s that there used to be a stagecoach path that would pass in front of this home, and supposedly the people that lived there in the 1800s, they would, you know, lure these stagecoach people into their homes thinking that, you know, they were doing something good, and it turns out they were actually planning on murdering these people, and they murdered, you know, countless people. If it was too cold to bury them in the ground, then they would drop them in this little um, cubby hole that was in the floor, like a trap door that was, that's in the floor in the living room. And then they would bury them when they could. But that Is the, was uh, um, early <clears throat> that, that we've found out, or that Daniel has found out that I've read about. Is the trap door still there? Yes, very much so. Yes, it is. And, um, you know, prior to that, they they discovered so far five Indian burial ground mounds um, where natives are buried, and that was the first thing I did um, when we got there. We didn't even check the house out from the outside. As soon as we got out of the car, um, I did my thing, you know, with, with paying honor and respect to the natives there, asking for their protection, you know, letting them know my intention like I always do. Another woman that has native blood in her, you know, she provided the offerings for them, tobacco, um, and just, you know, we that's what we focused on when we first got there. And I do believe that that made a huge difference because once our offering and, and the ceremony was over, it just felt like we were being embraced. It, it was, you know, everybody talks about how negative this place is. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Nothing negative that I sensed there, nothing demonic, nothing, just people wanting to communicate. And hmm. it, it just, yeah, I mean, nothing bad happened to any of us. Activity from 9.30 at night till 7 in the morning, nonstop, not even kidding about that. Um, just constant activity. And it's actually on my paranormal page, um, Eternal Life Paranormal, I actually uh, shared two videos from that night that we captured of something we, we can't explain. Nobody can explain this. Um, the closest explanation we've gotten are the Roswell rods. I don't know if you've heard of them. 
Okay. Now, um, now I know what I know what dowsing rods are. You no, have to no, explain Roswell to me. Well, rods are rods? beams of light. They're they're supposedly non-human, um, extraterrestrial type beings. Um, but you'd have to see the video to understand what I'm saying by beams of light. But oh, okay. Through this video, we captured something trying to manifest, and then above whatever was trying to manifest. We caught these rods and these beams. They literally look like beams coming from the sky shooting down. Hmm. And it's the most amazing thing. I very much encourage you to look at it on my page because we are looking for any type of logical explanation as to what we discovered. 20 minutes this went on. I have a video that I shot with my own camera when it first started, or when we first noticed it at least. Um, and then the girls that I was with went Facebook Live and was showing people, you know, we were out there cleaning off the lens. We were making sure there were no spider webs, no hairs connected to the camera. It was positioned on a chair securely outside pointing towards our cars. And we did that so, you know, like I said, we were out in the middle of nowhere in the dark, five women. So we wanted, you know, some type of security surveillance on our cars just in case. But it happened right in front of the cars, and like I said, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, and wow. I wish I could put that in the book, but I couldn't, so I shared the videos. <laughs> and the yeah. rest of everything that happened, um, that we have concrete evidence of, of things backing up ovulus words, names. I mean, we've checked into history of names that we got that night. They are completely validated. Um, that they are, you know, the names were somehow connected to that area. We don't know why they're connected to the house per se, but yeah, I mean, just phenomenal evidence that I can't wait for people to to read about. Oh, so you've got evidence pointing to other once living persons in the general vicinity, but not necessarily to the events of that house. Right. And I okay. have a theory about why this is happening because I've seen it, you know, I've seen it at the Hotel Conneaut. You know, people that may have nothing to do with the hotel, but because there's such a strong energy source, it's right by a lake. You know, there's been a lot of memories planted from the hotel and the amusement park that's connected to it that I think that, you know, some places are just like little portals, you know, not portals from hell <laughs> or anything like that, just literally like energy fields that it's easy for any spirit to come through and communicate and i do unless daniel uncovers something else about these names that we got that night as of right now my theory is going to have to be the best to describe why these people came through to us because if they don't have anything to do with the house then that just backs up my theory that you know and i do believe this place the hinsdale house has that energy field that, uh, you know, that capability of bringing forth spirits and allowing them to communicate. Nice. Does so, any of that make sense? It does. It actually does. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I have a couple areas that have similar activity here in Ohio as well, where mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't seem like a particular spot in the land would be haunted by everything within a five-mile radius. Right. Yep, that's exactly what I'm referring to. I, I think that happens in many places all over the planet. And I think that if we're lucky enough to discover them, it's just, it's jackpot, jackpot for spirits. So I like those places. <laughs> so have you been to any places where you really just didn't want to stay? It was, it was bad, it was nasty, and you did not want to just overstay your welcome? No. Okay. No. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. The closest thing that I could even bring up with that would be when uh, in April there was a paracon at the Hotel Conneaut, and one of the teams that I had been working with with the book had came up, and me and one of the, the me and the team leader, uh, Drake Bowen from uh, Oakmont Paranormal Society, we were in the in the uh, ballroom, and we we're doing a, an EVP session and. My K2 meter's going crazy. He thought it was the batteries. He checked the batteries, put new ones in, still going crazy. Couldn't figure out. And, I, and 
I kept telling him, I was like, whatever's in here, they're agitated that we're in here, and it's a male presence. Well, Drake, being a little bit of a provoker and, you know, one of the ways that we don't investigate the same as, decided to call the spirit grouch, and he kept saying it over and over. Well, whatever spirit was in there was getting more and more irritated, and I was picking up on it, and it was making me irritated. And before anything else happened, um, and before he, you know, the spirit got more agitated, I say to it, um, if you don't want us here, you got to give us a concrete response, because Drake's not just going to get up and leave. He, he needs something concrete before he'll get up and leave you be. So Drake takes over, and he says to the spirit, you have three options. You can go over there and touch that REM pod, make it sound. You can touch our K2 meters, but you have to touch both of them at the same time. Or you can tell us through the spirit box. He waited approximately three seconds, says, okay, grouch, you know what your options are. Turns on the spirit box, and within seconds, a man's voice very loudly comes over and says, leave. Plain as day, Drake stood up. I don't see him stand up and, and move as quick as I did see him that night. Um, not because he was scared, but because he was so, you know, impressed with what had just happened, you know. And I kept telling him, I said, the spirit is not a happy camper. We need to go. We need to show him respect and go. And he did exactly what we asked. He, he said leave. It was the only word that came through, loud and clear, so we left. Um, but that was the first and only time I had ever felt like a presence, getting up in my face, being mad that we were there and making me want to leave. Um, but it was more out of respect than fear. You know, I wasn't afraid of it. I felt bad that, that he felt he was being disrespected. So that's so the closest thing that I can come to. Did you end up leaving the location altogether or just one part of the just house? The ballroom, or? Just the ballroom. Just the ballroom? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, and I went back later that night and I made my amends with whatever was in there. Um, told him, you know, that I was sorry for the provoking um, you know, that, you know, they know me there, the spirits know me there. I'm at that hotel quite often, um, have amazing experiences that couldn't be explained, but that one was by far the, the clearest validation that somebody was there with us. <laughs> yeah. Did you come across any shadow figures in your adventures? Oh, many. Oh, many, many, many. Yes. Um, at Hotel Conneaut. <laughs> Um, many shadows there on the third floor. Um, Lincoln County, they're on, on, in the bottom where they have the drunk tank. Um, two shadows, one shorter than the other, were just going in and out of the drunk tank, out of the room. And, again, it seemed like they were pacing. Um, they weren't, you know, aggressive or getting in our space or my space or anything like that, just pacing back and forth. Um, but I've seen shadows... Wow. I think the only place I did not see a shadow figure or person was at Hinsdale. But with everything else that happened, I don't care. <laughs> there were so many amazing things that night that a shadow figure probably would have pushed me over the edge of disbelief. I just, yeah. So, but that's the only place I haven't seen. But I, like I said, I've seen them since I was a little girl. You know, I was taught not to be afraid of them. And... When you're not afraid of something, it's much easier to see them. So what do you think about that? Do you think that they're just another manifestation of the dead, another form of a ghost, or do you think that they're other? Um, I think that that's just the way that they can manifest. Um, you know, I think they, I think each spirit has a different level of ability to manifest how they want. You know, some are orbs, some are flashes of light. Um, some are, you know, just cold spots. <laughs> you know, I think that each one of them can can do different things to manifest and let us know, you know, that they're around. Um, but I also think that a lot of shadow figures are residual haunts. Um, I don't think that, because I've never had one approach me and try to communicate with me, I just see them. And it's like they're just passing by, um, so I think a lot of them are just residual haunts, and um, I think our dimensions sometimes interact with each other so much that, you know, that's how they really are in their dimension, that that's how they appear, 
and we're just lucky enough to catch a glimpse of it. So <clears throat> it's no secret to longtime listeners of this show that Andrea and I have been involved in some, for lack of a better term, fairy magic over the years. I want to hear about one of your fa- one of your fairy or fae experiences and how you denote that from other types of spirits that you've worked with. Um, I've never tried to communicate with the fae when I see them. Um, they are very picky beings and very, um, you know, they, they have certain ways of, of doing things. You know, like when you ask them to help you with something, you don't ever thank them. You just leave an offering. Thanking them is disrespectful. That's what I was taught. Um, they, you know, they're everywhere. Um, my first experience with one, though, was at the Warren Light Center in Utica, PA. And I was sitting, I was about 10 years old, uh, sitting on a set of old swings out in the middle of nowhere. And I could see them below me, just moving around. They weren't flashing bright lights or anything at this time. They were just little tiny beings moving around. And, you know, the more I would try and focus on them, the more out of focus that they would become. And even at 10, I got it. Like, they don't want to be seen all the time. They don't want to be bothered. And even at 10 years old, I knew I knew what I was seeing was real, but I also had the common sense to leave them be. And um, But as I got older and you know, more aware of what I was seeing and more accepting of what I was seeing. You know, I've caught them in in pictures. Like, you can literally see wings and little legs behind them. Um, I've caught them in my garden. They're, you know, just glowing lights that that will change um, before my eyes. Um, They're just, they're there. And I accept them just as I expect, you know, I accept spirits. I mean, the the Fae deserve, um, they deserve their privacy and they deserve to, you know, be respected. And if you don't, they will make you sorry for it. Oh, yes, they (laughs) will. I've learned that the hard way. You know, I've never disrespected them, but I've, you know, I've, I didn't teach my children early on in enough in life to, you know, if you see mushrooms, leave them be. If you see a fairy circle, you know, a flower ring, leave it be. Don't do anything to disrupt, you know, their environment. And, you know, I, I've, I've witnessed some things happen to my son, in fact, you know, karma-type things, nothing harmful or anything like that, but jokes, little pranks, you know. And, but, yeah, they, they can be very vindictive when they want to be, so... <laughs> and I, I have enough common sense to, I, I like to work with them. I offer them offerings all the time. I ask them to help me with my gardens, and they're just a natural part of my life, like spirits are. Well, in the last few minutes, I want to talk about, <clears throat> why don't you tell our listeners about some of the previous books that you've put out? Um, my first three books, which took me five years to work on, and the three of them were supposed to be one big book, and this was prior to me being published. I was going to self-publish just a book for me, um, to work through, you know, on things that I used on a daily basis, or at least frequently. Um, I did this as my mom was passing away in in a nursing home, and I would sit next to her and just go through my journals and go through her journals and just, I started, you know, compiling a book and some friends caught on. They wanted copies. Eric Venor came out of nowhere and stepped into my life and he ended up being a publisher, which I didn't know. Asked to see my work, sent it to him. He said, holy cow, you have three books here, not one. (laughs) We got to split these up because it's too much information. And he was just amazed that I had spent five years working on this one book and accumulated so much. Um, so we split it up, and the first one was um, on tarot readings and how to enhance your readings by not just pulling cards but using candle uh, color magic and using scents to help enhance your connection to the universe and to the divine. Um, so the first one was a tarot book, Tarot uh, Deeper Journey. 
the second book was on astrology and, and personalities, characteristics that go with multicultural um, zodiac signs, Native American, Chinese, um, Western. Uh, I have t- even tarot astrology in this book. And then the third book, um, which I was very proud of, is called Good Intentions, A Magical Touch. And it's um, basically just a book on nature-based practices. Um, gives you a little brief description of what, you know, each, their concepts and, and how they practice their beliefs, um, different ways that you can help encourage, you know, um, self-improvement type spells and rituals, you know, uh, bringing positivity into your life, love and success, and um, how to use animal spirit guides to help guide you um, with making good decisions and and making positive intentions. So um, that was the three of the nonfiction. All right. Yeah. And then the fourth was a short story that was added into Michelle Bollinger's erotic anthology book that was put out last year so have a on that as well yeah. okay so Crazy in the final year in the final minute would you like to share your website with everyone um you can reach me on facebook pages at angel ray 11 um and yeah all the all my events that i'll be appearing at are on there i'm going to buffalo next month and cleveland as well um, the following month, I'll be in Columbus, Ohio, in Pittsburgh. I got tons of conventions coming up, so yeah. Just if you want to check out where I'm going to be, go to that my author's page on Facebook, and you'll have it. Also, right. if you want to see the videos from the investigation at Hinsdale, go to uh, Eternal Life Paranormal and just ask to join the group, and I'll let you in, and you can witness what we witnessed that night promise you you will not be disappointed (laughs) most excellent angel i want to thank you again for joining me tonight excellent conversation we are going to have the illuminist take us on out with our awesome original theme music